113. Let's stand, if you would, please. We'll read our text this morning and get into the message that I believe the Lord gave me from the passage. Psalm 113. The Bible says in Psalm 113, verse 1, Praise ye the Lord. Praise, O ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun unto the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations, and His glory above the heavens. Who is like unto the Lord our God, who dwelleth on high? Who humbleth Himself to behold the things that are in heaven and are in the earth? He raiseth up the poor out of the dust, and lifteth the needy out of the dunghill that he may set him with princes, even with the princes of his people. He maketh the barren woman to keep house, and to be a joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. Father, we love you this morning, and I I need your help now. Uh, Lord, I realize that there's literally no way possible that a human being and human nature, human spirit, or human intellect, can get these points across to the hearts of other humans. Father, I'm thankful this morning that I don't rely on my spirit. I have the spirit of God within me. That you put in me when I got saved. And I thank you for that. And I pray you'd help me, Lord, to preach as a dying man to dying men. And that we would somehow, with the help of your Holy Spirit, be able to get our eyes on the truths that are in this passage and Bring into focus, Lord, what really matters in this short life that we have to live. There are so many distractions today. There's so many things that are pushed at us and so many things that, Lord, we've, we've bought, the, we bought what the world is selling and our priorities are just out of whack. Lord, we think things are important that aren't. This morning, I pray you'd help us to realize what really is important and to get a view of you that only you can give by your Spirit. And as has already been prayed multiple times today, Lord, if there's anybody here this morning that does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, I pray by your Spirit you'd show them and convict them and help them this morning, help them to realize that they're among friends and to understand what the Bible is saying and help them to make the wisest decision they could ever make in their life to trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. Help your people now, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, you can be seated. I'd like to preach to you from this chapter this morning on the subject of reasons to praise the Lord. If you notice the parentheses in verse 1, he starts out with, Praise ye the Lord, and in verse number 9, he ends with, Praise ye the Lord. So it's pretty obvious that the subject matter of Psalm 113 would be praising God. I got thinking about that because it's kind of almost a corny buzzword in church nowadays, you know, praise and worship. And you watch people, if you, if you watch and you pay any attention at all, or if you've been around to churches at all, you walk into one church and you've got a personality up there, a human being up there that God created as an individual. You, you do understand that, right? And so based on that individual, if somebody's expressing something from their heart, they would do so in different body language, different personalities, handle things differently, right? So one person might say, well, praise the Lord, you know, and and they mean it from their heart. 
And the next person might be like, praise the Lord, and they mean it from their heart. And the next person's like, well, praise the Lord. You know, I mean, you understand the point I'm making. Nowadays, you go into church and we talk about praising and worshiping and praise. Praise. It's almost become like some kind of a very empty, very shallow, very uh, almost patented kind of even body language coming from people. And we're in church. We're supposed to be doing something like praising the Lord. The point that I'm making is not to critique and criticize everybody. The point that I'm making is I believe with all my heart that the body of Christ is not being taught the Bible, not being preached the Bible, not learning to develop an independent and personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ to understand what it means personally to praise and worship Almighty God in a personal way. I don't want you to become a bunch of robots, a bunch of people stuck in moving the right way and acting the right way when you're in church because because you think you're praising God, I want you to know what it is to praise God and reasons from the depths of your soul why you want to praise God. Because let's be honest, they say, well, let's praise the Lord. Well, okay, that's easy to do when I got the job, right? The job I wanted. When I got called into the boss's office and the boss said, hey, by the way, we've been looking to promote somebody on the sea level and we're just taking you all the way from the janitorial department, and we're going to make you a CFO of the company because you're the guy. I mean, like, that would be real easy to go, well, praise the Lord. And by the way, your salary is going to be multiplied by about 10 times. Easy to praise God, right? How about when the boss calls you in the office and says, by the way, we're cutting people, and you're on the list. Cat got your tongue, huh? You know what you're commanded in the Bible? To praise God. Let everything that hath breath. Nobody fell over yet or gasped. That means every... You wondered what I was doing, didn't you? You thought, he lost it now. <laughs> it means you have breath. Praise the Lord. Well, I mean, that's easy to do when they go to their annual checkup and they say, my goodness, Mr. Reagan, you're 46 years old, but you've got the genetic composition at this point in your life of a 26-year-old, which did not happen, by the way. I'm just saying. Legend in my own mind, maybe, but not in reality. That's easy. But man, when you're 41 years old and they say, you got a cancer that is just the most aggressive kind of cancer that we've ever seen, and we're going to do a trial on you that we've never done before. That's a whole different animal. Yet I've seen Christians in that very situation saying, well, we're just going to trust God. Well, we're just going to praise God. God must know. There's a big difference between that praise and the praise I'm seeing in modern Christianity. And that kind of praise doesn't just come from some kind of a feeling because I'm telling you, when the boss says you're on the chopping block, when the doctor says it doesn't look good for you, that's not a moment where the feeling is good, but the commandment is still there to praise the Lord. So what I'm trying to submit to you this morning is I don't think in this day and age we really understand what it means to praise God. Nor do we understand why we should. If you would, keep your finger here in Psalm 113, and let's go back to a psalm that's a companion psalm, Psalm 8. I want you to see this psalm because I think it's a great introduction to Psalm 113, and then we'll come back over here in just a minute. Psalm chapter 8. 
This is a psalm of David, and it's a beautiful psalm if you really think about it for a minute. David was a man that knew what it was to praise God. And you know, David writes these psalms, and a very, very many of his psalms, and psalms of praise, and psalms of thanksgiving, he's writing in moments in his life when he is absolutely up against it, and it doesn't look like he's even going to survive. He's having to trust the promises of God against everything he sees and is experiencing. And he's sitting penning down stuff that God's saying, that's good, that's going in the Word of God, that's good. The Holy Spirit of God is moving him to put something in the Bible to save it for you so we can learn something. Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Well, that's a reason to praise God. Because he's got a great name who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. So God's high. His glory is above the heavens. And on top of that, he's humble. He ordains strength out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, out of, the, out of the little ones. The Spirit of God is ordaining strength to conquer the enemy, not picking the mighty man, not picking the giants, not picking the men of renown. God's going to the little ones and saying, I'm going to use a child to show you what it is to come to me. Except you're coming to me as a little child, you can't get there. you got to have the faith of a child, you educated, intelligent, experienced, adult, mature individual. Unless you act like one of these little ones, you ain't getting to me. That's bizarre. So he's not only high, but he's humble. He says in verse number three, when I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? He says, when I look at what you've done in outer space, why in the world would you even stop and think about me? As high as you are, how could you be so humble as to recognize me? Man, God ought to be praised because of how high he is. God ought to be praised because of how humble he is. He says in verse number 4, And the Son of Man, that thou visitest him. In verse number 5, he said, For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. You see how low you are? You're beneath the angels right now. You know, the Bible tells you one day you're going to judge angels. But as of right now in this flesh, you're beneath the angels. So you're not speaking in some heavenly language, some angelic language. Hogwash. Somebody's lying to you. That ain't Bible. So the Quran is wrong. When they say that, that when God created Adam, the angels bowed. Uh-uh. He made us a little lower than the angels. And crowned him with glory and honor. Watch this. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. So God's high. God's humble. And God, I'm going to show you back in Psalm 113, is a house builder. I'm praising him for those three reasons this morning. You see, when God created man, 
He makes him a little lower than the angels and he sets him over the works of his hands. And, and the Bible tells us in the book of James chapter number three that, that man's been able to tame all kinds of beasts and serpents and fowls and, and things in the sea man can tame. You can go to sea world and watch that men have trained animals out of the sea to do things. And yet in James chapter three it says you can tame all this stuff but you can't even tame your own tongue. That stinking dog, you know, I'm talking about this dog now because we got that new dog, adopted dog that's 11 years old that shouldn't be male, but he is because some breeds should never be male because it just doesn't fit. You understand what I'm saying? Have I mentioned that to you? And he's so like, so like loving. Like he came up and sat down next to my chair last, yesterday evening. I'm in my chair, I'm chilled out and he goes, and I was like, what are you growling at, old man? I'll break your skinny nose, you know what I mean? Like look at that nose, that nose needs to be broke, you know? And then he takes his nose and he flips my hand up. He's like, pet me. Yeah, cranky old man, you know. So he's, this morning we're in the kitchen and we're trying to get to the coffee, you know what I mean? Like, we weren't drunk, but it kind of felt like we were hungover, but we weren't, you know what I mean? And, and the dog's like right there. And my wife turns around and runs into him. And she's like, oh, and I'm like, I said, Riley, go. Go. He turns around, walks right away, turns around and looks at me. Get, make the perfect distance. I said, sit. Sat right down. And he just stared at me. And then my heart smote me. Like, he's 77 and you're 46. <laughs> that poor old guy. His eyes are a little like this, you know, and he's looking at me. So I said, come here. And he came up. I said, sit. He sat. And I petted him. He just stared at me. <laughs> That's wild that you can tell a dog when to eat, where to go, when to move. So far, and I'm going to get him there too, but I've been able to train my dogs without a wireless fence, without any of that stuff, where the boundaries of the property are. And when they get old enough, four-ish, depending on the energy level of the dog, I can let them outside, don't check on them, come back out, come on, come on, they come back in the yard, come back into the house. You can train them what the boundary lines are. And, and get them to the point where you don't have to watch them if you can trust the dog. If, if you can't after four or five years, then they magically disappear. I mean, you put them up for adoption or whatever. You understand what I'm saying? But most of them, it's wild that you can, no, I've never killed a dog. Relax. Breathe. I know that's a felony and I haven't done it, so whatever. Breathe in your nose and out your mouth. It's okay. You can tame all that stuff, but you can't tame this. You know what? I praise God because only God can build you to the point where you can actually get this under control. I'm telling you right now, cussing lips and a praising tongue don't go together. And that's what you got nowadays is you got cussing lips and praising tongues on Sunday and God ain't in it. Back to Psalm 113, please. So there's some things in the passage to praise the Lord over. The first one is that He's exalted high above all that exists in verses 4 and 5. It says, The Lord is high above all nations and His glory above the heavens. Who is like unto the Lord our God who dwelleth on high? Folks, this is the point that I want to make to you this morning. My first point, you can't get it. That's really the point I want. I want you to understand you can't get the point that I'm going to make. 
the brightest minds on this planet cannot get the point that I'm going to make. God is exalted high above your ability to comprehend. You say, how do you know it, preacher? Keep your finger in Psalm 113. We're going to go to one other passage and come back and then we're going to stay here. Go to Isaiah. Go off to your right-hand side. Isaiah chapter 57. Isaiah chapter 57, and we're going to look at verse 15. Isaiah 57, 15. Watch this. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in a high and holy place. So wait a minute. He says, this is what I'm telling you about me. I'm a high and lofty one, and guess where I'm at? I inhabit eternity. Where is God? He's back before the worlds began. Where is God? Right here, right now. Where is God? He is out in the end, off in eternity future. So your life is over. It's all said and done. It's all wrapped up. This world is burned up. The new heavens and new earth are here. The devil's locked up and burned up. And God's out there in eternity future with you. I said you can't get it, right? You're wrapped up in time. To comprehend eternity is literally impossible for a human being to understand. And God said, that's who I am. Now watch it. I dwell in a high and holy place with him also. He's out in eternity. Past, present, and future, he's already there. He's not stuck in this universe. Can you wrap your minds around that? You watch sci-fi movies and love them, but they are demonically inspired. He's not in this universe. He's out in eternity. He's not locked into this universe like you are. And yet he's also here right now. Also with him that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble. And to revive the heart of the contrite ones. So if you've got a humble spirit. If you've got a contrite spirit. If you'll admit you're a sinner. If you'll recognize that he's high and you're not. That he's God and you're not. That he's right and you're wrong. Then he'll dwell with you. That's wild. Back to Psalm 113, please. Understanding that God is high and, and lifted up because His Word says He is. It's not only stated in the Word of God, but it's seen in creation that there is a God. Now listen, you flat earthers, shut your ears off for a couple minutes because you're going to hate me and think I'm a complete heretic. The rest of you that aren't flat earthers, listen to me for a minute. 
you're a flat earther, I still love you. You have a right to be wrong. It's okay. Listen. No, I'm not debating it. Listen. You can't fathom how small we are. When God says, I dwell in a high and lofty place, the creator of heaven and earth, he means high. Have you noticed how this world takes a drug trip and they say, I'm what? Let's go get what? Might be something kind of demonic about that. You know what Lucifer said? I'll exalt myself. I'll get up there. I want to get high. And you know what people do? They want to get high. It's demonic. God is so high, you can't fathom how high he is. Do you realize that your little galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy that we're in, you can't fathom the size of that. Listen, I did, I did a bunch of math this week. Do you guys know what a light, how fast a light year is? 180,000 miles per second. I told you flat earthers not to listen to me. 180,000 miles per second, the speed of light. Per second. Do the math. There's 60 seconds in a minute. There's 60 minutes in an hour. There's 24 hours in a day. By scientific estimations, if you got on the Voyager spacecraft and got traveling, it would take you 450,000 years, excuse me, 450 million years, that's six zeros after the 450, 450 million years to get to the center of the Milky Way galaxy on the Voyager, on the Voyager spacecraft. That's a, do you ever see how fast spacecrafts go? They're unbelievable. 450, you would die of old age before reaching the center of our galaxy. Folks, when you go do the math, they say that there's over 100, 100 billion stars that, from what they can estimate in the Milky Way galaxy and from what they're telling, and their data is always changing, by the way. I know it's all a government hoax and all that, but the, their data is always changing, and they say there's probably 200 more galaxies out there, and we're not even the biggest galaxy. You know where God is? He's above all of it. He's so high, your mind cannot fathom. If you put, if you put the earth as like a, a, little, a little grain of sand in the palm of your hand, you guys understand looking at something to scale? If you put the earth, the whole earth, as a grain of sand in the palm of your hand, the Milky Way galaxy would take your entire hand. You guys ever noticed the infatuation nowadays with extraterrestrial outer space? Has anybody noticed that all this talk is going on about aliens and contacts and life out there and there's more and more conclusion that there's life out there? You guys know the word planet appears one time in your Bible? I think it's 2 Kings 23 and it's talking about them worshiping the sun and the moon and Baal and planets. You know what planet means? One time it appears in the King James Bible. You know what planet means in Latin? Wandering star. You ever go study your Bible and look at the book of Jude? Wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever? Let me tell you something. The scientists are so far behind the Bible, it's hysterically funny. No, really, it is hilarious to me how far science is behind the Bible. You know what they're saying when they study the pyramids? 
They're saying the advancement of the technology that would have been required to build these things is so mind-blowing that they had to be farther advanced than we are to do what they did. They said there must have been some kind of superior intelligence that has come and gave them the information to do what they did. You know, one of the cities that they dug up, when you look at it from an aerial viewpoint, I'm telling you, I've been telling you a long time, the technology you hold in your hand is demonic. I have a smartphone. I'm not saying we should all throw away our televisions and throw away our smartphones and our laptops. I'm telling you, you better be aware that that's a device the devil will use and you better be careful about it. It'll mess your kids' heads up. It messes them up physically too, by the way. You know there's a crisis coming for the U.S. military. The crisis is 77% of the young people military age are so out of shape they don't qualify. And of the ones that are in shape, when they get them there, their bones are so brittle, the boys that are, I mean, ripped. You know, the guy you see at the gym that's all in great shape, jumping out of planes with a pack on and all the rest of that. When they hit the ground, they're breaking their legs because their bones aren't hard enough because they grew up sitting watching TV and playing video games, not jumping out of trees and breaking their legs like we did. I'm telling you, that stuff's demonic. They uncovered one of these cities, and you know what they found when they see an aerial view of the city? It's laid out just like a computer motherboard. And the two, what would be the main chips, was a temple to the sun, and the other one was a temple to the moon. And they studied the dimensions. They say the way the dimensions compare to each other adds up to the distances that we're seeing that there is to the moon and the sun and the numbers that we're getting are all adding up. They're designing this stuff astrologically. They said they were way beyond where we're even at. Mathematically, they were beyond where we are at. Now, you could say, oh, it's all a conspiracy and all that stuff, but these guys are saying all this stuff and they don't believe there's a God. They believe in evolution or some kind of extraterrestrial life that came down or planet seeding or something like that. But it's funny to me that when you got a Bible, you know that God said the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair and that they came down. And God said, if you leave your first estate, you say you're gods, but you'll die like men. If you go down and become flesh, if you become human, if you get incarnate, we'll see it tonight. If you drop down wandering stars and go down there and become human, I know this is a little deep for a Sunday morning, but you're just going to have to deal with it, okay? It's Bible. If you go down and become a man, then you're going to die like a man. And a race of giants comes out of that thing, and they're showing people how to build stuff that's beyond our human capabilities now. Well, I mean, go back to Genesis chapter 10. The first kingdom, Nimrod. It's connected with something we'll be looking at tonight. They're building a tower, right? What did God say? He said, we got to go down and confound their language because if we don't, what did they want to do? They wanted to get high. They wanted to get to God. And God said, we better go down and mess up their speech patterns and break up their unity. You, we're all one. Unity, unity. The world council of churches, the one world government, it's all demonic. God said, let's go down and break up their unity and set the bounds of their habitation so we can control them and keep them from getting so advanced and we can get the gospel to them and see them get saved. So God breaks them up. Why? Because they were going to do something. They were going to accomplish something they set out to do. So you better step back a little bit and think before you say, oh, that's all a bunch of crazy stuff. 
What I'm trying to tell you is if you could grasp how high God is and what's out there, you're not supposed to be out there. You're supposed to be right here on this little planet that God gave you dominion over and stay here and be happy with being here. But we're more and more obsessed with getting out there. It's a demonic drive. Now, I'm telling you right now, that stuff's coming back. You're seeing a major rise in demonic activity, and as we get closer to the coming of Jesus Christ, it'll get worse. I'm glad I got a high God, that He's high above all this stuff, that His power and His capability goes so far beyond this universe. He speaks it all into existence. He separated himself from it. And yet that same God, as, as high as he is and as powerful as he is, he tells Abraham, listen, I'm going to multiply your seed like the sands by the seashore, like the stars in heaven. If you can number them. Oh, that NASA, they're just those scientists. They're all just making stuff up. They can't number them. That's what God said before they ever started counting or started looking and realizing that there's more out there than they thought was even out there. God said, hey, I'm going to do it. It was an unconditional promise to Abraham. It's going to happen. You won't wipe Israel off the map, but you'll get close. And the Lord will come back and do what he said he's going to do. Because when he's ready, he's going to multiply her and set her up. She's going to get all the land she deserves and it's way more than what you're looking at right now. And then God's going to multiply her like the sands of the seashore, like the stars of the heavens. In eternity future, that stuff's going to get inhabited. You know, it's funny to me, I was, I was reading up on this stuff this week, obviously. I enjoy the sciences. You know what they're saying now? They're saying that they believe... Who, you listen, take it with a grain of salt. All the stuff that I just told you about pyramids and all that stuff, grain of salt, Right? What's the point I'm making? You understand the point I'm making? God's so far beyond it all that don't you ever let a stupid scientist with an IQ of 200 or whatever it is, some stupid little puny man, try to tell you that he knows where you came from and where you're going. He doesn't. When they're honest, they say 99% of what's out there they can't see and can't understand. And the little bit they're seeing adds more and more credibility to the Word of God doesn't undermine my faith in the Bible one iota. So, listen, when it comes to this size of God and the power of God to create the stars of the heaven and the galaxies and the solar systems and all the rest of that stuff, you've got to think about the fact that that same God created you. 450,000 years on a space shuttle, I think what I looked at, don't hold me to it, 18,000 miles per hour or something like that. 45,000 years to get to the center of the galaxy. Just this one. That God made you? Try to comprehend a conception of a child in a woman's womb. That's miraculous. That baby is in that womb and, and, and it goes from microscopic to bones and skin and eyes 
and fingers and toes and a nose and ears and lips and a tongue. I mean, it's got a circulatory system with a heart pumping blood throughout that body and lungs and a heart and a liver and a gallbladder and intestines and all the rest of that. It is literally unbelievable that a, that a, that a human being gets developed in the woman's womb. It's a miracle. If, if that's not miraculous enough, parse it down some more. You're designed to take in food and chew it up and swallow it. And when you chew up and swallow that food, the, the little cells in your body know how to take that nutrition, goes into the stomach and gets into the blood and takes that nutrition and passes it off to little tiny cells you can't even see. You've never seen one. You've you got to look under a microscope. They're just so little. And those cells take that and create energy. And that baby grows and gets older and, and you've got to always be taking that in because if you don't, you'll die. But as you take that in, it continues to create energy. I mean, it's miraculous. An atom composed of protons and neutrons and electrons and, and they're moving in a little pattern and then they, con they come together and they create a, a solid form that's actually moving. It's miraculous. I'm just telling you, God is so much bigger than what you and I can imagine. That's why he's worthy to be praised. Because we're looking for all the answers all the time, but he said, unless you become like a little child, you're never going to get it. And that's why, kids, when you go sit in school and your professors get up and they try to tell you that, you know, a big bang happened and then we came out of the water and we used to have gills, but our body's made up of this much water because we came from the water and that's why there's such a high percentage of our bodies that are water, but we, we lost our gills. Somebody literally said that to me this week. Yeah, well, we don't have gills anymore, but that's why we need water. And I said, <laughs> just like that. And he looked at me and I said, you know why I'm laughing. And I walked away. He put his head down and said, yeah, I know. <laughs> when they tell you something stupid like that, you know what you can know? You can know that you can open up your Bible and you can study that Bible and you can fall in love with that Bible because it's the power of God and it's the mind of God. And he told you who he is and he told you where you came from and he told you where you're going. Every one of you has got one or two destinations that God already told you. You're either going to burn in hell for eternity or you're going to go to heaven and spend eternity with him at his right hand or pleasures evermore. He told every one of you. He gave you his word. And based on that Bible, you know what you find out? When they actually were first created, more than likely their circulatory system was water. Because Jesus Christ is the living what? Why do you think Adam looked at Eve and knew immediately what she had done? He didn't observe her taking the fruit. He looked at her and knew what she had done because her complexion changed when her, her circulatory system went from water to blood. That's in your Bible. Do you know that? Of course you didn't know that. Preachers don't tell you that stuff anymore. They don't do their homework. They don't try to get you to know and understand and believe and have a strong, deep faith in Almighty God and in His power. They want to manipulate you into their church and their religion. He looked at her and knew what she had done. Jesus Christ in his glorified body? Water. Well, we came out of the water and our gills fell off. And you believe that stuff? 
That takes more of a certain type of faith to believe than it takes faith to believe that God's God and He created the whole thing and He's a high and lofty one and He spoke it all into existence. So as I'm reading this week, they got a new theory called the Big Bounce Theory. These idiots that you're listening to, while you throw a Bible aside because you say it's irrelevant religious book, these idiots that you're listening to, they're always going back and rethinking everything they're telling you about where you came from, why you're here, and where you're going. The ones that are telling you that if you think you're a boy, you can go ahead and just chop your body up, no problem. Oh, that's pretty historic, too, because they offered their children to bail. They can't procreate their own, so they're going to try to solicit yours and make sure they get yours in and then mutilate them. That's as old as the Old Testament, man. That goes all the way back to the beginning. But of course, of course, of course in my lifetime, I'm going to be in trouble for the way I talk, telling you the truth from the Bible. They're rethinking everything they've ever told you. Now they're saying a big bounce theory. Yeah, they might be right. They said it's almost like the universe is, is, is kind of breathing. It's like this. So what they're saying they think, you Bible believers that study your Bible, listen to me. What they're saying they think is that this isn't the first universe. It's like maybe the second that there was a universe here before this universe. Now what have we been telling you from Genesis chapter 1 verse 1? In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Right? And he put Lucifer over it. And then Lucifer rebelled and God destroyed the whole thing. That flood was a, was a supernatural flood. He crushed it. So even if they are seeing... You, you guys don't be afraid of science. You know what you've got to be afraid of? False science. And scientists are always trying to get out there and dig into science to prove there is no God. The more they dig into science, the more the Bible stands up, boy. Anything they find that's legit. And if it ain't legit, so what? Who cares? Listen, what does it matter if the earth is actually flat and God's only 70 miles above our head or 100 miles or whatever some of them think he is? The throne of God's actually not that hot fire up. He said, I'm high and lofty. Well, literally, what difference does it actually make? Because when you parse the argument down from, okay, there's not a great universe and there's not multiple galaxies and all the rest of that tomfoolery, what about your body? What about the cellular level? What about the miracle of birth? This stuff didn't happen by chance. There's a God out there. And that's a reason to praise Him. But see, what blows my mind even more than that is that this God, as big as he is, is so humble. Look at verse 6. Who humbleth himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in earth. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust and lifteth the needy out of the dunghill, that he may set him with princes, even with the princes of his people. How could a God who's that high, that powerful, actually be so humble as to look down this morning and care about a weak, I'm not being mean right now and I'm not trying to belittle you, a weak, pathetic, sinful, faulty, little microbe like you and I. I think to scale, microbes that we can't see, tiny little bacteria, tiny little viruses that we can't even see, are probably hundreds of times bigger compared to us with God. Does that make sense? To scale. 
probably thousands of times. We are so, so nothing. Now, what I just said is actually quite offensive to this culture, but I promise you from my heart, I'm not being offensive. I'm one of the we. I'm one of the microbes. See, you've gotten so much humanism pumped at you all the time that it's like, well, the number one thing is to learn to love yourself, and you've got to love yourself, because if you don't love yourself, how can you love other people? And all this kind of stuff that's like psychological babble, but it's not biblical. How could a God that high and powerful? Can I be pastor for a minute? How could that God care about a 60-something-year-old woman who's had a severely disabled son for 30-something years and has cancer now for like the third time, right? Third time. But he cares. How could that mean anything to him as big as he is? How could a God as big as he is come all the way down to earth and observe and behold and care about a 41-year-old woman whose life has literally been flipped upside down in the last couple of months and is scared and doesn't know what's going to happen. How could a God that big care about somebody whose back is hurting them so bad they can't sit in church but want to be here? How could a God that big sit back and watch and care about somebody who had something hit him in life that they didn't see coming, like, wow, this is great. How is this going to affect the rest of my life? How could a God that big sit back and look and care about somebody who's married to somebody who's a jerk and you try to work it out forever and you try not to get divorced and you end up in divorce? No, I'm not pointing you out because there's more than one of you in the room, just so you know. How could a God that big sit back and, and see a man struggling and, and falling on his face at his own fault? He knows better. And he messes up again and again and again and that God still cares. When other people say, get up on him, God says, I care. If he's humble and contrite about his mess up. How could that God that big sit and see a teenager whose heart's broken by a, by a puppy love deal that adults are like rolling their eyes, you'll get over it, honey, there's a lot of fish in the sea, and you're over there crying, thinking your life is ending, crying until you can't cry anymore in your bedroom, and a God that big cares. How could a God that big look down and see a young man whose dad's an idiot? Because there's a grown man, he's got a childish frat boy mentality, could care less about his kid, more worried about getting high and playing video games and out there having fun and chasing women than spending time with his son and abandoning with his mother and not care. Hey, a goddamn big sees that little boy and cares. How could a god that big look at a little girl whose daddy's too busy with his own selfish ways of life and whose mama's too messed up in her own head on Facebook with filters, posting selfies and Instagram and all the rest of that stuff and flirting with guys from the past and all the rest of that stuff. That girl's over there all frustrated, looking for attention and, and, and heartbroken and messed up psychologically and that God cares about that little girl. You understand what a humble God he is? 
to care about us? As high as he is, that he would stoop to come down and get involved in your life and care about you and where you're going and work on you and convict you and try to help you. He cares. I mean, man, a God like that I can praise. Because I don't have as much confidence in Mike Reagan as you might think I do. But man, when I know that he's personal, he means something to me. He cares about me. He, he'll, he'll take all things that make them work together for my good. And I know he will because he promised he would. I mean, if he can create the stars and the galaxies, if he can create the sun and the moon, if he can multiply Israel like the sands of the sea, if he can create a baby in a womb and breathe life into its lungs and, and allow it to become a living soul, if he can die on a cross to take away sins, if he can come all the way from the universe, from eternity, down to this little tiny galaxy, to the backside of that thing on a tiny little planet and become one of us. So he could do what we can't which is beat sin because ain't one of you in this room can beat sin not one of you can't even control your own tongue I don't care how good your dog is you can't control your own tongue but he came down and beat all that sin because he loves you what a God I can worship a God like that he is humble you know how I know God's personal he takes a Bible Gives you a Bible. You guys got a Bible this morning? If you don't got a Bible, tell me. You'll have one before you leave. You need a Bible. He takes a Bible, and like no other book on the planet, over 1,600 years, with 40 different authors on three different continents, he puts together a book that is immaculate. It's immaculate. See, See, I, I don't really, I'm not interested. A preacher told me one time, I want to go get a psychology degree because I'm doing a lot of counseling because I'm such an important preacher, you know. Everybody's coming to me for counseling now and I think I need a psychology degree. And he wound up going off the rails just like I thought as an immature little preacher boy. Like, that's not smart. He went off the rails. I don't need a psychology degree. If you need a psychologist or a psychiatrist and you come to me, I'll say, listen, go to the psychiatrist. You understand what I'm saying? It's like, you don't come to me for, you know, I have cancer, preacher. Will you? No, I, I will definitely pray for you. Go to the doctor. Lay hands on us and heal us. If that stuff was working, listen to me. If I had that gift, Mott's Children's Hospital wouldn't exist, and this church would be so huge, we'd own Lion Township to fit them all in the massive auditorium that we'd have for people. Bunch of frauds. They don't have the faith to be healed. You're a liar. You ain't read your Bible. They didn't have to have the faith to be healed. If you got the gift, heal them. I'd start with my own daughter. Boom. Problem solved. Thank you, Jesus. Let's move on. Who else needs some help? Stuff. You know this stuff aggravates me. God is so humble. He comes down here to care about your littlest problems. He writes you that book so that you can get in that book with your problems and you can find his purpose, his plan, his intentions, and you can watch that that God is involved in all the issues of your life. Even if he doesn't heal you, he knows all about it. 
He puts together a miracle book that's so far ahead of science that scientists today with the brightest minds and these whacked out computer systems, what they're able to do now with the artificial intelligence and all the it is literally mind-blowing. And they're, so, they're light years behind God. They haven't come up with one thing yet that disproves the Bible. The more they come up with, the more I'm going, I got it. I had it all along. I knew it when I was little. I knew it when I was five. They're not knocking my faith, man. I wouldn't, I wouldn't waste my time to go get a psychology degree when I got the book of God and I can minister to you out of that. I'd rather have that. And throughout that book, you know what he does all the way through it? Did you ever notice something weird about the Bible? You've got the mind of God, his plan for eternity, prophecies. I mean, you, you don't even, literally, the mathematics on it are just, they're mind-blowing, the mathematics on proof that the Bible is perfectly, unquestionably the word of God. It's impossible for things to play out the way they did according to the way that thing was prophesied. He lays it out to where the Old Testament's unfolding and then you get to the New Testament and it goes backwards. And you fold it together and they're, they're together. And you know what he does it through? Check this out. Now watch this. He wrote that book through the lives of individuals. God cared when Cain killed Abel. That didn't mean Abel didn't die. It means God cared. And he dealt with it. And God cared when Abraham offered his son Isaac. And God cared when Sarah had a barren womb and gave her a baby. And God cared when Sarah threw Hagar out to no fault of Hagar's and God showed up and ministered to Hagar and God cared when Joseph was in the pit and in the prison and God cared when David was in the cave running for his life and God cared when Esther was in the palace and God cared when Ruth didn't have anybody to provide for her and God showed up and met her needs and God cared all the way through that Bible about individual lives. God cared about John the Baptist when he was in prison and Elijah when he was at the Juniper Junction like the preacher says and, and depressed and ready to quit God cared all the way through that Bible because that high and holy and lofty and powerful God is so humble he cares about your life he made his son flesh so that he could bear your burdens and live the sinless life for you and then put his son on the cross of Calvary and was pleased to bruise him so that your hell could be paid for in the person hear me in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. These religions are lying to you when they tell you that your good works have to outweigh your bad works and all the rest of that garbage that you get it by faith to keep it by your works. If you've never been born again by putting your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross, you are on your way to hell. You're as good as there right now. And all you got to do to be saved is ask Jesus Christ to forgive your sins and save your soul and he'll do it right where you're sitting right now. Look at my last point and I'll get you out of here this morning. This exalted God who's high above all that exists is extraordinarily humble to care about us. Making that journey all the way, that it's just unbelievable distance to come down here. And he's an exceptional home builder. Look at verse 9. He maketh the barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. Praise you the Lord. No, I should praise God. 
Because as high and powerful as he is, he's humble enough to care about you. And then beyond that, he knows how to build you. In verse 9, and that's Israel. Doctrinally speaking, verses 4 through 6 apply now. Uh, verses 5 through 6 uh, apply now. But the rest of this thing ain't happened yet. The Lord's name is praised in all the earth. No, it ain't. We're all trying to get to the same place. You bought that bill of goods? You literally bought that. If you bought that, I got oceanfront property in Arizona I'm selling. You can't buy that garbage and tell me you're honestly thinking. We're not, all, we're not all worshiping the same God. Allah is not the God of the Bible. It's not the creator. You know the origins of that stuff? He ain't, his name ain't praised in all the earth right now. It will be. When he reigns on the throne in Jerusalem, his name will be praised in all the earth. Doctrinally, this thing applies to Israel. That's why it's kind of exciting what's going on over there. The way the devil's moving the chess pieces around. I'm pumped up about it. I've lived enough of this life. I'm good. Been married. Had the kids. Traveled a little bit. Had some nice experiences. Thank you very much. I'll see you later. Good enough. All that I got coming is getting older. More work. More heartbreak. More disappointments. Yeah, there'll be some joys, but nothing like the joy of heaven. So let's check out. <laughs> Ain't your job to check out early. That's God's business. Amen. But just saying. It's exciting to me what's going on over there. But not only does God going to build Israel, God's building the church. You know what Jesus said? I will build my church. You know what you are? You're his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus under good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You know how that gets done? You don't build a church by praise and worship teams. You feed them. I could grow a church. I could grow the business. Come on. We got, you guys realize we got some pretty smart people around here. I don't know if you know it or not. We got some, we got some smarter people around here than you. You know, they don't walk around acting like it. Thank God. We got some pretty smart people here. We can put our minds together and figure out how to become a mega church. I guarantee it. That ain't growing a church. That church gets grown by God. And we preach the Bible here and we don't apologize for it. Whether you like the way I preach it or not, I'm an individual with a personality and God wired me the way he wired me and I'm going to be myself. And I love you. Even if you don't like my personality or delivery style, I still love you. And I'm going to give you the Bible because that's what the Lord uses to build his church. He's feeding the flock. That's what church is all about. But beyond that, the Lord's building you. Individuals. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. You know what the Lord will do and is trying to do? He wants to build you. Ain't that a blessing? That a God as high and powerful as he is would be humble enough to come down with a little microbe like me, a walking, talking, animated dirt ball. Dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. I'm a walking, talking, animated pile of dirt. 
and God loves me and cares about me and knows me and is working in my life and is trying to build me to make me better, not bitter. I'll make the barren woman become a joyful mother of children because that's what he can do. Now here's the deal. What are you going to do with that truth? He's high and lofty. He inhabits eternity. Oh, and also, with the contrite and humble heart. You really want that wonderful, holy God to humble himself and minister to you and then start building your life and making something out of you? You know what the key is? The way up is down. God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. You know what really praising God is? It's a humble, contrite, humiliating view of self and an honest, genuine, scriptural view of who God is and a complete, awestruck wonderment at the fact that a God like that would love me. And out of that realization and deep emotional understanding of who he is, doctrinal viewpoint, you say, man, you are worthy to be praised. Stand to our feet this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed.